I ask you to open your Bibles with me this morning. We're going to be now in the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. And we're starting a new sermon series this morning. This new sermon series is simply called The Bible Doesn't Say That. We're taking an in-depth look at some phrases that are so popular in our culture that they've been attributed to coming from the Bible. And there's people in our culture who will actually live their lives according to some phrases that they think are biblical. They say, well, that, that must be from the Bible. That must be what God says. Here's some phrases. This is some of the top phrases that people think are biblical. And you let me know if you've ever heard these. The Lord works in what? That is not in the Bible. What about this too shall pass? It's not there. It's not in the Bible. What about money is the root? Money is the root of all evil. That is not in the Bible. This one here, surprisingly, to thine own self be true. Oh, here's one. People think the three wise men are in the Bible. Um... So we refer to the three wise men. The Bible never really tells us how many wise men there are. Uh, it tells us how many gifts there are. They're, so it's kind of a trick question. Uh, spare the rod. Spoil the, child. spoil the child. Not in the Bible. Um, cleanliness is next to godliness. godliness. They're not in the Bible, but people will, will take these, these pieces of content and they'll say, oh, well, that must be biblical. Does anyone remember Jay Leno? from the tonight show he's a previous host of the tonight show he had this he had this great bit that he would do every now and then and i enjoyed it if i was up that late it was called jaywalking and what he would do is he would take his microphone and his camera crew and he would go out on the street and he would ask people questions and for the most of us in america we would just laugh at these people because they have no clue the answer to some of these simple questions at one point <clears throat> jay had asked people out on the on the sidewalk outside the studio can you name me one of the Ten Commandments and the most popular phrase that was given to Jay Leno during this now this is Hollywood that they're filming was the expression that we're going to look at this morning people say one of the Ten Commandments is God helps those who what God helps those who help themselves ladies and gentlemen that is not in the Bible. The Bible doesn't say that. It, it, it's not there. It's become a mantra of people who are working on or feel like they have to, to create their own path. Our modern culture uses this, this idea that God helps those who help themselves. And we idolize self-sufficiency, don't we? You know, our world, doesn't our world say you can do it? People say, you know, I'm going to take care of myself first. We're going to look out for what? Look out for number one. I'm going to look out for myself. <clears throat> Focus on my needs above the needs of other people. Maybe, oh, you can be your own hero, right? Um, oh, eBay tells us to buy it, sell it, love it. That's all kind of self-serving. Um, Facebook says to be connected, be discovered, be on Facebook. McDonald's reminds us that I'm loving it, right? This is all internal. It's all bringing it to me. Nike says, just, just 
do it, right? Wouldn't it be nice if Nike says, just pray about it and then do what God says? I don't know if it fits on a shoe or on a uniform, but it should, amen? Just pray about it. Our world seems to say, if you're in this dire situation, you first need to step out and help yourself, right? You need to be able to take care of yourself before you need to go and ask other people for help. Some people in our culture, they use this, this phrase actually to justify their own behavior. And they justify their behavior towards those who are less fortunate. And when, it, when we say, God helps those who help themselves, you know times when people actually have said that? Have you ever heard somebody maybe talking about a person who's at a street corner and they're asking for money and somebody in the car says, you know, they just need to help themselves and go get a job, right? Before God will help them, before I will help them. They use this term that's not in the Bible to justify their own behaviors and how they're applying their spirituality, how they're applying their relationship to Christ towards other people. They're saying, hey, you need to get right with God before I'm going to come and help you because it's in the Bible and it's not, right? It's about this world using a phrase that's assigning priorities to self rather than God. It's an excuse to be selfish and to demand selfishness from other people. That's really when we hear that. God helps those who help themselves. It is. It's demanding selfishness. It's as if culture will determine somebody's worth based on how much that person is willing to take care of themselves. I personally feel that this phrase has been attributed to being more harm than good when we read or when we hear people say, God helps those who help themselves. Not only does the Bible not say that, but the Bible actually teaches the complete opposite. The 100% opposite. See, other than belief, the Bible doesn't put any requirements on obtaining the blessings from God, on obtaining his love on obtaining his grace. There's no requirement. You don't have to help yourself. God will help you. He knows what we need. And he's never told us to go out. You know what? You have to give a solid effort before I'm going to show up to help. He's never said that unless you reach a benchmark that is set by me. I'm not going to help you. That's not what God says, right? Can't we be thankful that God doesn't say that? <clears throat> I remember one doctor's appointment a few years ago I had gone to. I'd mentioned to the doctor that I had been struggling with my weight. It's something I've struggled with for about 15 years or so. And so I was finally getting to where I was talking to a doctor about it. And, and and I talked to him about my diet and my exercise and um, of course it wasn't good enough or it wasn't hard enough that but he said he said you know what I think I have something that can help he says I think I have a program that is going to fit and it's going to help you so I'm sitting in this doctor's office I'm like yes finally 
finally somebody can help me because I'm desperate. I don't really know what to do. And then the next thing he said was, but before I get you in this program, I want you to lose 15 pounds on your own. <laughs> and you know what I was? I was crushed. I was, I was depressed. I was hopeless. I was in now again self-doubt. I, I was going to walk out of this room with someone who could help me but wouldn't until I was helping myself, something I felt that I was, like I came to you for help and he sent me away. And it is depressing. If we were to come to God and if God were to tell us, you know, I'll help after you do this and after you do this, wouldn't that be a little bit depressing? Wouldn't that bring us down quite a bit? <clears throat> I had this feeling that I was never going to receive any help for my issues unless I was able to overcome the demons in my own life. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes I can't overcome those on my own. That's why I need Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, does not demand that I save myself before he'll save me. He doesn't require me to come close to him before he's going to come close to me. He doesn't need me to have a deep love and concern for others before he's going to love me. He doesn't mandate that I fully understand the depths of everything in the Bible before he's going to teach me. He does not command me to be able to teach others before he's willing to teach me and before I'm able to learn. He doesn't force us to walk out into the dark so that we can meet him in the sun. He's willing to come to us. Yeah. Our Lord and Savior stands there waiting for us while we wander in lostness, while we wander in helplessness, in hopelessness that's when he's there he's there and he's not giving us a benchmark to help yourself before you can come to me he's saying I'm here he comes looking for us when we are far away from safety and he comes to find us full of mercy when we don't even deserve it he doesn't wait for us to take care of ourselves before he offers forgiveness and mercy and love. And before he offers us eternal life with him, he has no benchmarks. He has no work requirements. Amen? Romans 5.8, it says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. He doesn't require perfection. And for that, I am eternally thankful. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew. We're in chapter 6 this morning. And we're going to be in verses number 25. 25 through 33 in a message that I have titled, Biblical Priorities. <clears throat> And in this passage, Jesus is delivering one of the most famous sermons, referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. If you have a red-letter Bible, you're going to see all of these words are going to be lit up in, 
in, in the glory of Christ in your Bible. If not, I just want you to know that what we're reading are words from Jesus. And I'm going to start in verse number 25. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't, and aren't you far more valuable than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? This is verse number 28. And why worry about your clothing? Look at all the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that they are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? You don't, So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Watch this, verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Amen? The scripture bleeds with the command to first focus on Christ. The teachings of Jesus, they were very radical in his day. Would it be fair to say the teachings of Jesus are still very radical in our day? For him to be preaching this direction, it was a demand for a change of hearts amongst the people who were so wrapped up in themselves. If you think about it, he wouldn't be teaching this focus on heaven first if people already were, right? People are so wrapped up in worry and they're so wrapped up in taking care of themselves first by the world's standards. Jesus has a correction to make, right? Point number one in your notes this morning. For those of you who are just joining us in your bulletin, on the left-hand side, you'll see some fill-in-the-blanks. Those are... Um, those are notes that you can take through the sermon. There are pins in the back if you would like one. Point number one in your notes this morning, the world applauds selfishness, but the Bible demands selflessness. The world applauds selfishness, but the Bible demands selflessness. It's no secret that Nothing that we have comes from our own hands. Let me say that again. It's no secret that nothing we have comes from our own hands. God is the only one who has ever been able to create anything from nothing. But yet, it's okay in our world to go and look out for number one. It's okay. It's actually, it's, it, it's actually applauded. So there's so many people who don't go to church because they say, I don't need to go to church. I can take care of this thing on my own. I can take care of my faith on my own. I can take care of my, my salvation on my own. I can be a good person enough. God helps those who help themselves. I'm helping myself, expecting God to help me afterwards, right? See what it does? It puts me first. 
And putting me first puts God somewhere else, right? Do our priorities stand selfishly with us being number one? Or do we stand selflessly with Christ being number one? See, the, the, this mantra of God helps those who help themselves, it mistakenly, it does. It puts themselves number one, and it puts God anywhere else other than number one is in the wrong place. Amen? Amen. It is in the wrong place. Should we expect God to treat us as if as if we are flying first class when we put him in coach? Should, should, can we really feel that good about ourselves when we carry God around on an app on our phone and we only bring him out and call him in case of emergencies? Like God has never demanded that, that we be the world's best Christians before he will even look at us, before he will even talk to us or love us. Because even when we're not there for him, guess where he's at? He's still there for us, right? He's still there. Should, should we feel shameful about where we put God sometimes? Yeah. But should, should we feel forgiven? Yeah. Should we recognize that we need to turn from the position of selflessness to putting ourselves <coughs> in this culture and turn around from the culture's way of delivering us forward, of moving us forward and making sure that now we're putting God and heaven first and in our priority? Yes, we should. It's the first action. It's the first place that we need to go. These days, kids at school, even adults at work, when you have a career question come up or when you have a class question come up the first place we go is the god of google <laughs> i would love to see a nation that first goes to the god of heaven and earth Amen. that first goes and takes our issues takes our problems takes our concerns takes our praise and takes our worship to our lord and savior Let me try and let me tell you something about the selfless, the selfishness of the world and where it gets you. Listen to this carefully. This is what selfishness gets you and it gets us. The best that you can do on your own is the best that you're ever going to be able to achieve. That's what selfishness gets us. Is that I only have the ability to create or only have the ability to, to do what is within my ability. If we're working at the world's level of selfishness, then what we're doing is we are limiting God. We're limiting God's ability to help us. We're limiting his ability to step up. See, when you are in charge, you can only grow as much as you are able to grow. I can only grow to 5 foot 11, 5 foot 12. That's it. That's as tall as I can ever get. God's a whole lot bigger than that, amen? I know, 5 foot 12, it's 6 foot. I'm not 6 foot, I'm like 5 11. You can only do what you know how to do. You can only be what you know how to be. Thank you. Thank you, Jerry. And you can only tackle things 
that are smaller than you when you're at the top. It's kind of hard to tackle things that are bigger than you, right? Sure, we can go to school and we can study under a professor. And we can study and focus on education. And and maybe we can put all of the world's knowledge about a particular topic inside our mind. Let's say that in your field, you know more than anyone else on the planet. You are the leader in your field. Would it be fair to say that you still know less than God? That you still know less than God about about what it is that everyone in the world's coming to you for answers because you're the expert on this. You're the the world-renowned, super awesome doer person that does super awesome things. But you're still less than God, right? Someone once said of Edith Bloomington that Edith lived in a little world surrounded on the north, the south, the east, and the west by Edith Bloomington. And that is a small world indeed. When her whole world revolves around her, I don't know who she is either, but when everything revolves around her, That's a small world. Proverbs 28, 26 says, He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but he who walks wisely will be delivered. Jeremiah 17, 5 says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Here's the application. This world, by making human efforts paramount to God's direction, by default, does limit God's ability. And I think when we limit God's ability, we get what we've got. We get exactly where we're at as a nation, as a world. We get where we got when we limit God's ability to be number one. There's a reason why the phrase, God helps those who help themselves, is not in the Bible. And it's because God doesn't want us helping ourselves first. He wants us coming to Him first. Let's read Matthew chapter 6, verse number 33 again. I'm going to read this out of the King James Version. It says this, and we read this a minute ago, but I want to look back at it now after a few minutes of discussing it. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Does this say, seek yourself first and then God will come and help you? It says, no, focus on God first, right? That's, that means to live righteous, to be correct in our own lifestyles according to the biblical authority, not according to this world. We live according to the Bible, And the Bible's authority in our lives, the world's authority is not Christian authority, amen? It is an authority, there is authority, and we'll talk about that at some point. But we have an authority in our lives that does not change. 
that will not change. We have an authority that has been here for generations that was pinned by the hand of God, giving you and I instructions. These are the same instructions that were given thousands of years ago, and they're the same instructions that will be given later. Does society have authority? No. Does society change? Yes. Does God change? No. That's why we have an authority that stands the test of time that does not change. Point number two in your notes this morning. Focus on the kingdom first and God will take care of your necessities. We focus on the kingdom first and God will take care of our necessities. Now again, the the Lord will take care of our necessities, but here's the thing. He never promised to take care of our wants and desires. There's a big difference between wants and desires and necessities, right? Yeah, you're like, oh man, come on, please. He never granted us a big house on a hill overlooking a beautiful lake full of swans, although that would be really cool. He never promised us endless vacation with just plenty of time to read all the books that you haven't got to over the last couple of years. He never promised us blessings beyond our wildest imagination. That blessing is in heaven. He has that blessing for us, but it might not be here. He gets to determine what our necessities are and how he's going to fill them. That's up to him. As a matter of fact, we're promised in the Christian life that it's actually going to be somewhat troublesome, right? That we're going to run into some issues, that we're going to run into some resistance in our Christian life. We're told that. And that's a promise also, right? We are told when God says he will take care of our necessities, he's also, it's also up to God to determine what they are. And it might be a shock to some. I'm just going to tell you a secret because I've been studying this a lot this week, I can't find, the Lord does not find it necessary for you to have an iPhone 10. Doesn't. I looked it up. I've been looking that one up in the Bible. He doesn't find it necessary to have um, uh, awesome shoes, which are great. He does not, ladies, surprisingly, I couldn't find this. He doesn't require, he doesn't call it necessary to have a coach handbag. That is not in the Bible either. Um, um, For guys like, that super cool set of golf clubs, not in the Bible. Amazing social life and, 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 and hanging around beautiful, astonishing people from all walks of life. It's not there. That's, that's not what he's finding is necessary. He'll take care of our necessities. But what our necessities are, are entirely up to him. He says he's going to take care of food. He's going to take care of drink. He's going to take care of clothing, right? I mean, that's what he's told us as believers. He says the worry... Those who worries, don't worry. Worries for the unbelievers. He says, that's not for you. When we look back at this phrase, God helps those who help themselves, it gives us this unrealistic expectation that whatever we are helping ourselves to achieve, that God's going to piggyback on that. Wow, did we just tell God what, what our necessities are? Let's see, if I'm helping myself up the corporate ladder... I'm expecting God now to help me because I'm helping myself. I just told God what my priority is, right? It's not what the Bible says. 
Maybe I'm, maybe I'm helping myself through education. Or maybe I'm helping myself out of a rut and I'm expecting God to come because he helps those who help themselves, right? So this term, it actually is telling us you help yourself and you tell God how to help you by what you're doing. You determine the help you need and now go tell God what he needs to do. It's not in the Bible, right? According to our worldly instruction, we're supposed to act first and ask God later if we even get to that point. Act first, go ask your sister-in-law, go ask your mom, go ask the girls at work, go ask, you know, somebody who seems kind of wise. Like, God gets way down the list. I'm wondering how often that we're asking God right now for help and not to help. Because when we're asking God to help, typically what happens, God, I'm asking you to help me by. God, I'm asking you to help me by letting some cash show up. God, I'm asking you to help me by... Um, can, can you please just, whatever, can, can you help me get this promotion? Instead of, God, I need to ask for help for finance because I don't know how to do this, but I'm seeking you first because you know how to do this. I want to follow you. I don't want to tell you. I want to follow you. Our path needs to be the destination that he has created, not the destination that we created for ourselves. We don't take God with us wherever we're going. We follow God wherever he's leading. Amen? Amen. There was a gentleman one afternoon who was driving. He had this new BMW and was cruising around the mountain landscapes and some curvy roads and Anyone like me knows that if you have a car that has some power, which you just love taking curves and you love going fast. Who loves going fast? Does anyone else? Yes. Okay. I, I, I love it. I do. So he's got this BMW and he's taking some of these curves and, and he comes up on one that he's going to be taking way too quickly and he could tell that he's in too far, he can't correct this and, and as this car is about to go over this cliff he opens the door to, to jump out and, and unfortunately as the car starts rolling is, his arm gets caught in the door and the sedan begins to roll down the hill and burst into flames and another gentleman that's in a semi-truck coming around the corner pulls up to the accident and sees the flames and 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 he stops the man and, and he gets out of his car and and he just hears the man looking down the hill and he's saying my new car my new car my new bmw oh and the, the trucker says man dude i've got to get you to a hospital do you even notice that that accident you just tore your arm right off you are bleeding and i need to get you to a hospital and the man just like snapped out of his shock and he looked where his arm was and he's like, oh my, my Rolex, my Rolex. It's, he's got his priorities all wrong, in the wrong spot. 
The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Colossae, and he told them in Colossians 2.23, it says, Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Wow. Doesn't that change the perspective of our work? If we're working for God rather than for the world, it makes sense that we're going to be taking our instructions from who? We're going to take our instructions from the Lord, right? He's going to be our first set of instructions at work. He's going to be the first set of instructions in our day. See, this world does not have its priorities right. I don't know if that's a secret or not. I don't know if I'm telling you anything you don't already know. But the world and the way it's going to teach you, it does not have its priorities right. Why do we allow culture and a movement to dictate what direction that we take in our lives when their priorities are not lined up with the priorities of our Creator? It's God who leads us. It's God who we must follow. It's God who decided. It's God who we must follow. It's God who blesses. So it's God who we must follow. Follow. It's God who grants. So it's God who we must follow. Romans 9, 15 through 16. For God said to Moses, I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. So it is God who decides to show mercy. We can neither choose it nor work for it. Wow. We can't work enough to see God's mercy? So we can't help ourselves enough to see God helping? No. Point number three in your notes. This is a big lesson. God's blessings are not dependent on our works. God's blessings are not dependent on our works. There is nothing you can do to make God love you any more than he already does. We can't work ourselves to salvation or into peace. We can't help ourselves enough that's going to initiate a process by which God is going to step in and help us more than he was going to in the first place. And some people do, they feel, if I just help myself a little bit more, God's going to show up. If I just do a little bit more, God's going to show up. All the time, not knowing that God is already there. That God's right there, and he's saying, talk to me. Come to me. Let's talk about this. Let's work this out together. But no, what are you doing? We're working things out on our own. And God's just kind of sitting there like a parent saying, hey, I'm here to talk. I'm here to talk. I hate watching you struggle. I hate watching you fumble. And I'm, I'm listening, and I see what you're doing. Can we talk about this? You say, no, I got this. I have to help myself. There's some people among us who suffer from physical ailments and mental health issues who simply cannot physically or mentally help themselves. And this proverb of God helps those who help themselves, this, this worldly proverb, it actually denies help to people who can't help themselves. 
It denies the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It denies Calvary to those who cannot help themselves, who, to, to those who don't have the mental capacity to get themselves into a better mental capacity, to those who are physically limited. This saying that the world tells us, it limits everything God can do. It demands that you help yourself. There are some in this world who can't, and that is not what the Bible teaches. If you and I are the blessings to other people, and if we show up to help somebody who didn't even ask for our help, somebody who cannot help themselves, we might be their blessing. Because they can't help themselves, right? We all know somebody who needs help, who needs a strong Christian to come alongside them. What if you and I are the blessing to people who can't help themselves? We know that God works through his people, and if the church is his bride, then we are his people. In, in the way that Christ works in the lives of people, and others who don't even know him, it's you and I to reach out to them. If they don't know God, and if they are working off of an idea that God helps those who help themselves, but they have no clue who God is, how can we expect them to get there if we're not helping them? That's our job, right? That is our job. We should all be thankful for the Lord, that the Lord still loves and cares for us, even in our deepest sorrow, even in the moment in our lives when we are in a depression so deep that we can't get out, when we are in a recession so deep that we can't get out, when we are in financial straits so deep that we can't get out, when there is absolutely no way that we know how to help ourselves, we have to be thankful that God's not waiting for us to help our, ourselves. God's waiting for us to call on Him. We don't have to pay an admission charge for God's grace. We don't have to store up enough good works before we can see God moving in our lives. We, with all of our human deficiencies and with our inability to remain pure and holy, God still loves us and he still reaches out for us. And he still cares about us even when we look at our lives and we realize that we're in a situation that we can't get out of and we should have called on God already. He's still there. He's not leaving. There's a famous poem that does a very good job of summing up the actions that Jesus takes without even waiting for us to acknowledge him. I'm going to read this and some of you might recognize it. It says, one night I had a dream. I dreamed I was walking along a beach with the Lord and across the sky flashed scenes from my life. For each scene I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand. One belonged to me and the other to the Lord. 
When the last scene of my life flashed before us, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. I noticed that many times along the path of my life, there was only one set of footprints. I also noticed that it happened to be the very lowest and saddest times in my life. This really bothered me, and I questioned the Lord about it. Lord, you said that once I decided to follow you, you would walk with me all the way. But I've noticed that during the most troublesome times of my life, there's only one set of footprints. I don't understand why in times when I needed you the most, you should leave me. And the Lord replied, my precious, precious child, I love you and would never, never leave you during the times of trial and suffering. When you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. Amen. God helps those who helps themselves is certainly not in the Bible, but rather what is in the Bible is a command to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. What is in the Bible is a life longing for Jesus to have this personal relationship with us. He wants to come to us. He wants us to open up. What is in the Bible is a God who understands that we can't do it on our own. What is in the Bible is a direction to a life full of love from our Heavenly Father that requires nothing of us helping ourselves reach to Him. I hope that you're as thankful as I am that we can't work our way to heaven and that God is not waiting for us to move first. Amen? That God's simply waiting. That God is there and he's telling us, I'm listening. I'm just waiting for you to cry out. I just want to hear, come, seek me First, you don't have to do this on your own. If you're here today and you're thinking that if you can just help yourself a little bit more, then maybe you can see a little bit more of God, it's time to stop. It's time to stop helping yourself more and start seeking God first. I'm going to ask Daniel to come up, and in just in a moment, we're going to sing and, and pray again. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask that, I'm going to ask that whatever that is in your life that, that you've been trying to do on your own, I'm going to ask that you give that to the Lord this morning. I'm going to ask that whatever this concern is that the world has been telling you, you have got to, to work on this. You have got to, to do this before God's going to step in. I would ask you just to give that all to Jesus.